Hello and welcome to the Last Choice TV Reviews podcast, bringing you a breakdown, review, and analysis of HBO's newest hit series, House of the Dragon. My name's Ender, and I'm one of your hosts. Normally, I'm here with James, but he's not here this week. He's off getting married, so congratulations to him. But I'm still here to give you my thoughts on this week's episode, Episode 6, Princess and the Queen. Episode 6 is a very interesting episode. My overall thoughts on it were it was it was like having a second pilot. A lot of the actors that we know, we're taking a large jump in time here. We're almost going forward or we are going forward 10 years. A lot of the actors have now been recast. So we're getting to learn them again. We're getting to learn their characters again. There's been changes in the way they act and who they are and how they feel. So this was definitely like restarting the series again with a bunch of characters that we already knew because we took this long jump. Overall, I think it worked. The episode, you have one through five, which is one set. And now I think we're going to have six through ten which is going to be another set. And they're very distinct. They can almost stand on their own is how I feel the rest of this series is going to go. So as we get into it, we jump right into Rhaenyra giving birth and and having what we think is Sir Lanor's and her child. And there's a really cool thing about this scene that I don't know if many people caught on to, but it was a one take. So it was one continuous scene from the giving the birth to Lenore coming in all the way to her walking to the queen's chambers. We don't actually get a cut until that happened. The cinematography here was was absolutely amazing. And I just think it it portrays the relationship that the queen and the princess have at this moment. So here is Rhaenyra just giving birth to her child and the queen summons her to her chamber. She doesn't come see her. She summons her to her chambers to see the child. I mean, that is a power bitch move. Like, I'm just going to call it right there. Rhaenyra and Alicent's relationship is not getting better since the last episode where Rhaenyra basically got her father kicked out as hand of the king. And she's not over it. And obviously there's going to be some tension between them. So we have Rhaenyra trying to get up and, and literally just had birth. Lenore comes in and, you know, he's trying to be the best he can. And he has this like comment to her of, was it terribly painful? And she just like stares at him. Like, really dude, really? And then he's like, I was stabbed with a lance once. And I'm just like, come on, like in the shoulder, you're going to compare getting stabbed with a lance in the shoulder to giving, giving birth. Yeah. Um, just move forward. So here is her, she's walking through basically the main area of the kingdom or, or not the kingdom, but King's landing, uh, and the red keep to get to the princess's chambers. And people are talking to her and it's just like, come on, just just leave her alone. And you can tell that Lenor and Rhaenyra are also in a rocky state. They're not super happy with each other. So I'm guessing their arrangement from the last episode is not going well. As they get to the Queen's chambers, we see Sir Christian Cole. And at the end of the last episode, Alicent keeps... Christian Cole from stabbing himself and committing suicide. And it looks like at this point, he has now become the sworn protector of the queen. So the queen stopped him and has now given him the right to protect her. This is going to be interesting as we move forward, but you can tell by the look on Sir Christian Cole's face that he is still not happy. So we have a lot of grudges being held in this 10 year jump that we take. And I'm not surprised. So they get to the queen's chambers and and she acts all innocent. Like, 
hey, let's get you a seat. And why are you up? And she just kind of just wanted to see the child. And as we're looking at the child, uh, Viserys comes in and he's super excited, says that the baby has his father's Lenore's nose. So also we get an interesting thing as the queen says to Lenore, keep trying. Maybe you will get one that looks like you. This is definitely implying that Rhaenyra is having essentially bastards with somebody else. And from what we know about Sir Lenore, he is gay. So this is probably true, but it just the, for the queen to say that, cause she definitely, she goes right over to the baby and she looks at it and she looks at his hair and his hair is brown, not white as you would guess that it would be since Lenore and uh, Rhaenyra both have really blondish white hair, very Valyrian, Targaryen, whitish hair. They also ask what the child's name is, and Lenore answers that his name will be Joffrey, a name that we are all very familiar with from Game of Thrones. Rhaenyra is not happy with the fact that he did not consult her on the name of their child. Uh, I think she would have rathered him just say the baby does not have a name right now. We haven't talked about it yet. And when she's walking away, you get this you get this angle down the hallway with Sir Christian Cole standing at the door and just this trail of blood from the door that is obviously just just leaking out of Rhaenyra because she just gave birth and the queen made her walk all the way up to her chambers in order to really do nothing. Uh, just to make her do that. The queen just wanted to see. And I think the queen just wanted to see if the child looked like the father. I think there's this seat of of she's having all these bastards with what had happened before with Christian Cole. And, and the queen is just really, really holding on to this. So then we cut back to, or we don't really cut, we follow Rhaenyra and... Lenore back to her chambers and we find out that she's got two other kids. So in these 10 years, she's on her third child now that was just born. And Sir Harwin is there. He is part of the city watch and he went with the kids to the dragon pit to pick out the dragon egg for their new brother. Cause all Targaryens get an egg, they're dragon riders. So the kids picked it. So it's very interesting here. And you also see Rhaenyra shooting looks at Harwin back and forth, which you start to realize that these are not Lenore's children. They are Sir Harwin's children. You you kind of get that when she says to Lenore, Sir Harwin would like to meet the boy now. And like, why would this matter? You're just sitting here, unless it's his kid. Why would it why would the the commander of city watch even even be there he's not a sworn protector he's none of that so the kids leave the room he, lenore leaves the room and you can tell that they both know what's going on that this is his child but they can't tell that secret to anybody rhaenyra has not stopped her ways and it looks like lenore and her are sticking to the agreement that they made in the last one he can pursue all the men that he wants, and she's going to pursue the man that she wants, which happens to be Sir Harwin. From there, we move with the kids into the dragon pit or dragon training area where they bring out this baby dragon that hatched, which seems to be one of Rhaenyra's son's dragon, and he's trying to learn how to train this dragon or be the master of this dragon so he can then ride him. So the dragon pit trainers, whatever you want to call them are there. He comes to him. He tries to stop him. They tell him that he needs to be more dominant with it. You know, not much happens here, but at the end, at the end they bring in a goat and he gets to say Dracarys. So it burns the goat and he eats it. What really happens in this episode is the boys, decide or in this scene not this episode the boys decide to play 
a little trick on Eamon, one of Alicent's sons, and we find that he does not have a dragon. I don't know why, but he doesn't have a dragon. So they, they dress up a pig and pull the pig out of the pit and say, oh, here's your dragon. This is the this is it's a pig. So they're being kind of mean to him. He gets upset and he ends up walking down into the dragon pit and almost gets burned by one of the dragons. It's super not really knowing why this is very important, but it may come back as we move on through the episode. From there, we get a scene with Alicent and her daughter. Her daughter is playing with a giant centipede-looking thing, counting the rings, and saying it has eyes, but it can't see. It's just a very awkward and interesting scene, and I have to say, her daughter looks a lot like Rhaenyra, and when Alicent goes to touch her, she kind of winces. Like, she doesn't want to be touched. Uh, So it's just a very weird situation between her and her daughter. Then one of the knights bring in Aemon, and he can tell he's been, like, burnt. Allison's super upset that he went into the dragon pit again, and that they're making fun of him, and that he has no dragon, and that they got him a pig. So she's very, very upset with this, that they all laughed at him, so the kids aren't playing. And Allison is holding a grudge here, because this is obviously her son, I think her youngest. So she's not happy with that. We move on to the giant, the giant sculpture again in the room, and he's even got his sculptor making him new stuff so he can place it. This king will not give up his Lego set. He is still building it. Allison's trying to have a conversation with him about how the kids lured him in there and that they're being mean to them and all these different things. And she's also trying to get the king to realize what is happening here. We just had another child. This child doesn't look anything like Lenore. You know it. And she even says, you forbade me to talk about it. Um, To have one child, she says, to have one child is a mistake like this, but to have multiple is just a front on your throne and everything. So the king doesn't want to even acknowledge that this is happening. He's drawing a blind eye just like he always does. He tells this really dumb story about how he had a stallion that went out and mated with another stallion that didn't look anything like him. And they had another stallion that didn't look anything. He was brown and not white or silver and chestnut. And Allison's just like, did you see the horse have sex? Do you know it was his? Like, how this story makes no sense. It has the same problem. And he's just like, nature's mysterious with how it works. Who knows what these children are going to look like? We don't know. We can't guess. Allison's just like, I can't believe you're just this thick. You can't see past her. So Allison really wants the king to acknowledge that these are bastard children. And the reason I feel she wants that acknowledgement so heavily is because of what her father told her in the last episode, that she has to prepare her children for a war when Rhaenyra takes the throne. So this is her way of discrediting her and getting her to be unnamed as the heir because she has the king's firstborn son. And if Rhaenyra is discredited to the point to where no one will let her sit on the throne, and Viserys has to change his mind, then, hey, my kids are safe. So she's playing the game. Alicent is playing the game her father told her to play. She started it in the last episode, and 10 years later, she's still going strong, trying to discredit Rhaenyra any way she can. And is not helping herself. She's giving Alicent ammunition to play, but Alicent just doesn't know how to weave this all together yet. All right. So after talking to Viserys, the queen is not happy and she leaves his throne room and goes for a little walk with Christian Cole. And the queen is just, just saying 
uh, not good things about Rhaenyra on how she flaunts everything. She's the heir. She does whatever she wants and nothing happens to her. Nothing there. And we find out how butthurt Christian Cole still is about the whole situation where he says about the queen, a spider who stings and sucks its prey dry. That's what he says about her. And then he says she's a spoiled cunt. Like, yeah, you can't you can't be more blunt than that, Cole, that you are still butthurt about the princess you are being a little baby about it and you got to move on, bud. You got to move on. But we're shadowing here all of these crazy things that might happen and the state of everyone's mind where the actions that happened 10 years ago are still causing turmoil today. And a lot has happened in between there. All right, HBO. We got your your scene here where we cut to Aegon's room and he's standing in his window masturbating. Okay, not sure why we needed him standing in his window masturbating. Maybe it's showing how much of a child he is or whatever. I don't know. But Allison just walks into the room and asks him. I don't even know how long she was standing there, but asks him whose idea it was to take Aemon down to the fire pit and Aegon says it was Jace and his cousin's idea. And Allison's pissed about it. Allison is trying to get him to understand that Renera's sons won't always be his playthings, as she states, and that when she gets on the throne, she could have him killed. I mean, Allison really goes off of him, grabs him by the face, and she's like, you don't understand. You are the challenge to her power. Because he says, I won't challenge her, Mom. Allison's like, you are. Just you being alive is the challenge to her succession. It has nothing to do with whether or not you want it or not. Just being alive is a challenge to her. And you have to get prepared for what's coming because you are the king's firstborn son. We need to let the realm know this. Because Allison is just trying to protect her kids here from what her father told her. It's again, it goes back to what Otto had said. Allison is doing what her father told her. We now move to a beautiful, beautiful film scene of Damon's dragon flying around, and then we see. Another massive dragon come in to fly with him, and it's Vagar. And Vagar's rider is Lady Liana. So we find out that Lady Liana and Damon are married and have kids. Who knew? Um, we thought that they were dancing at the the wedding. And the last one, and they're married in this one. So Damon has married Coralus' daughter, and Rhaenyra has married Coralus' son. Got a lot of weird family things going on there. And we do have this awesome scene where Lena is flying straight up and tells Vagar to Dracarys a fireball in the sky. And Damon flies right through it. And you just see how big her dragon is compared to everybody else's. He, he is so large. As we find out uh, later that he is definitely the largest dragon. Now, we cut to a feast where Damon and Lyanna are at. We find out we're in Pentos. And we find out that the Triarchy has now aligned with Dorne. And the leader of Pentos is asking for Damon's help because he has dragons in keeping the stepstones safe again. So it's like the triarchy's rising again. The crab feeder wasn't the only person that was going to try to take over the stepstones. The triarchy has come again. They've aligned with Dorne in the free cities. Here's Pentos, which is part of the free cities. 
and they want to have this alliance between Damon and his dragons, Lyanna's dragon. And it doesn't feel like they're just guests here. They're not, they're just traveling. They, they aren't there. We find out that Damon and Lyanna have two daughters. One has a dragon. One does not. Lyanna doesn't want to stay here, but Damon's like, we'll, we'll consider your offer. You know, we'll, we'll consider this offer here. And, 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 you can see that Liana's pregnant again for the third child. So for some reason, everyone's having three kids. That seems to be the thing. So he listens to his proposition and basically doesn't doesn't make a decision yet. But you can tell Damon is very intrigued by the offer and Liana isn't. She she does not want to stay here. Uh, she just wants to visit and, and, and leave. She doesn't want to be here forever as he aids Pentos as Aegon the Conqueror once did that they're selling this to him. So after all of that, Lyanna comes to Damon and, and kind of says, are you really thinking about doing this? Do you want to stay here? And basically Damon's like, yeah, there's no politics here. Uh, I'm, I'm just here. It's a simple transaction. Uh, they have gold. I have dragons. We can stay here. I don't have to get caught up in all of the turmoil that King's Landing brought me all the issues. Liana doesn't want that. She feels like there's more for them, a higher power, uh, their Valyrian blood. And Damon's just like Valyria is gone. It's done with. And then Liana makes another plea. She wants her child to be born in Driftmark. She wants her daughters to be raised in their homeland. She wants to go. And Damon just blows her off. Like, I'm not listening to this. This isn't what I want. And you're not going to get your way. From there, we cut back to the training yard where Sir Christian Cole is training all of the children. Allison's children and Rihanna's children, um, Rhaenyra's children, on how to fight. And the king is watching, and so is the hand of the king, and he's talking about how when they fight together, they stick together, and, and this is classic Viserys, where he is just, has a blind eye to all of this, and is just thinking of how great everything could be when they're all together. As we move forward, Sir Harwin comes into play and is questioning Sir Christian's merit and, 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 and training and style and that he is not giving the younger children, which are essentially Sir Harwin's kids enough attention in the training. And what happens is Cole puts Aegon up against Jace, who is the oldest, which is Aegon's much stronger, much more powerful than him. And they start fighting. And then Christian Cole has an interesting comment to Sir Harwin when he realizes he's taking so much of an interest in what's going on. And he basically calls him out. He says, why are you taking such an interest in the children? Why is the commander taking such an interest commander of the city watch taking such an interest. Is it because they're your cousins, your brothers, perhaps a son and Sir Harwin hauls off and starts punching the crap out of Christian Cole and Cole got exactly what he wanted without Harwin saying it. Everyone that was in that square, including the kids now have this question of whether or not Harwin is the father of Rhaenyra's children. So Cole's playing the game with the queen. Uh, we had that other scene where they're walking down the hallway. The queen also mentioned that, you know, justice will prevail. And I think this was Cole's way of expediting that justice. So from there, we find we cut to the queen in her chambers and she's being told that there was an incident in the yard. I bet she's thinking that she, something happened to her children. But as she's walking to find out, 
she finds Lord Strong, the Hand of the King, and Harwin Strong, which is his son, talking in the hallway basically about the shame that he has brought to his family and that you know people are questioning things people are talking about things they have they're going to they're going to know and they're going to find out that the honor has been disgraced in our family because you're sleeping with the queen you have the queen's bastards and the only thing the lord strong says the only thing that's keeping you from being beheaded harwin is the the fragile shield of the king because the king is 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 purposely being blind to all of this and isn't seeing what's going on right in front of his eyes because he doesn't want to that's a classic thing with him and all of Rhaenyra's outgoingness he just turns a blind eye he doesn't want to have difficult conversations or notice things that don't fit perfectly into his his world and his scheme. Okay, from here, we move back to the princess's chambers, where she is being tended to by some of her nurses, because remember, she, she just had birth. She shouldn't be up and walking around and doing all the stuff that she's doing, but she is. Lenore comes in drunk with what we can only guess is his lover, a uh, new lover that he's been talking to about the war in the step zones and that he's a warrior and he wants to go to the step stones and leave this place and finally be the warrior again. Now, remember, Lenore was part of the first fight in the step stones with Damon. So Lenore likes war, has been to war, wants to be at war, and he's obviously just bored with all of this King's Landing politics and just basically running around as Rhaenyra will point out here in a little bit. She then tells him how their kid's parentage is being questioned by everybody and being challenged. And she can't believe that he is talking about leaving when their kids are basically in dire situation here because if if people actually find out the truth if if the, her father decides to not have this blind eye or someone cracks you know coal is known to crack so if somebody cracks and tells somebody the truth they're going to be up for some explaining to do basically and it's not going to look good her exact quote to him was you do not desert your post when the storm lashes. Lenore comes right back with the wise sailor flees the storm as it gathers. So he basically tells her, look, I'm going. I'm going to leave because I'm a smart sailor. And if all of these things are getting bad, I'm out. Like, I don't want to be around when this storm hits. I don't want to be here anymore. And that's just the way he feels. So Rhaenyra has to pull the power move and basically says, as your queen and heir to the throne, I command you not to leave. And that's how we leave that situation. So not the best way to have your marriage going where Rhaenyra has to command him to to not leave her and his bastard children as as we are under attack or or not really a, like physical attack but under this social attack from the queen and now her lackey Christian Cole you know who I liked in the beginning like I really love this character and now Cole and Alicent who were some of my favorite characters and one through five are now becoming my least favorite characters here in six. I I understand Alicent and what she's doing here, but Cole just needs to get over this crap. Like he is just, he is so strung out over the queen that he cannot move past this. And he is just looking uh, not the queen, but look the princess and looking to destroy her. So from that, we move 
back to Pentos and one of Damon and Liana's daughter's rooms where you can see her holding her egg, her dragon egg up by the fire, trying to get it warm. And her mom says it's been eight years and tells her that half of the dragon eggs never hatch. So you can think she's just trying to get this dragon egg to hatch. And the reason why is she's afraid that she's not going to be allowed to stay in Pentos because the Prince of Pentos doesn't want her there because all he wants is Liana, Damon, and her other sister because they have dragons. And if she doesn't have a dragon, she won't be allowed to stay. And Liana being a, a wonderful mother here, and you can tell she cares for her children deeply, tells her daughter that she can claim a dragon rider because when she was a girl, she didn't get a dragon until she was 15 years old and that it wasn't an egg that hatched, but she went and got Vagar, the largest, and we find out the largest dragon in the world to be her dragon. So there's other ways to get a dragon than just having the egg hatch. She says that her father will tell her the same thing, and her daughter has the comment of, father just ignores me, and I think you learn on how Damon feels about Liana, but just doesn't know how to be a father to his daughters here, and that he's still still somewhat Damon. He's not a fully changed man. We move from her daughter's chambers onto basically the top of the castle here where Damon is sitting, drinking wine, and basically pondering life. I mean, I don't really know. It seems like he's just completely bored. Uh, he smiles, and you could tell he's definitely in love with Liana when she shows up. And Liana gives him the news that Rhaenyra has just had her third third child and Damon makes the joke of uh how much does it look like the lord commander of the city watch um so he obviously knows what's going on there so it's like everybody knows what's going on here cuz these children do not resemble Lenore at all they all have the brown dark hair uh if you go back to Game of Thrones with Joffrey where, you know, you would expect him to be black of hair and he's blonde. So you would need two blonde parents in order to do that. And you would have two blonde parents and Lenore and Rhaenyra, but the, the kids all have brown hair. The exact same thing, just in the reverse that we had with Joffrey. Liana then continues to make her plea about going home and leaving Pentos and that Damon's up here and, you know, he says he cares about Pentos, but he never goes in the city. He just sits in the library all the time. And basically that he's there. There's more to their life than this. They're not running. And Liana basically says, she was not the wife he wanted. I think hinting at the fact that he wanted to marry Rhaenyra and have that, but he got stuck with her, but we're still meant for more. You're meant for more than this, Damon. You need to go back home. Uh, the man I married was more than this when we started. So I think she's not wrong. I think Damon here is just trying to, remove himself from all of the turmoil that has happened in King's Landing and all the politics that just don't fit to him. He he made his play. He tried and it continued to blow up in his face over and over and over and over again. And he's just fed up. So he's hiding. He's supposed to be taking care of the stepstones and things like that. And now he's just hiding away in Pentos because, you know, why get involved in things and places that don't want me? 
All right, so we have all of this stuff with Damon, and, we, and now we're moving back again, back to King's Landing, and we are looking at um, the King's Court or the King's Council. The interesting thing about the King's Council is that you now have Rhaenyra at the table, who we saw back there, but we also have Alicent at the table now, too. They're talking about this problem uh, with with horses grazing in different places, and Alicent basically, you know, Lord Blackwood's boundaries of stones were moved, and the horses are grazing in different places, um, and what are they going to do for Lord Grover? Alicent basically just says, that's their problem. They're going to have to deal with it. We shouldn't get involved. And then Rhaenyra overminds the queen saying with a counter argument that, no, they've been trying to get into fights. You know, this is something that we need to look into. And Allison just gives her this like scoffing look like here, here we go again. We're bickering at the table and it seems like these two have been doing it. So when one has an idea, the other one overminds it. The other one has an idea. The other one overminds it. And they just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, her exact, the queen's exact words were, of course, as she shakes her head. And it just seems like they, you know, this has been going on for a long time. The rest of, of the council isn't even getting involved. They're just like, here they go again. Then they bring up the issue of the stepstones. And the king is just like, oh, my God, this blasted place. I can't get rid of this place. The stepstones are just continue, continue to be a, a thorn in my side. They let him know that the triarchy has aligned with Dorne. And then Alicent makes the comment of Damon, who was supposed to be there, who claimed himself as the king and was supposed to defend it. But he left the region undefended. And Rhaenyra was not happy with that comment. And she's like, we left it undefended. We should have built fortifications, ships, all different kinds of things. Allison comes back at her. We can't afford it. And again, here they go again, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. One has an idea, one doesn't. And they just cannot agree on anything. And from the looks of everyone at this table, and even the look on Viserys' face when they're going through this, it's it's like, oh my goodness, girls, I brought you in here and you guys have been doing this for 10 years now. Can we just move on? Viserys calls an end to the council and let them be finished. We need to move on. And then Rhaenyra's like, nope, I want to speak. Everyone sit back down, basically. And she makes a very interesting proposal. Now, remember, there are whispers and she's heard people talking about knowing that Sir Harwin or Sir or Commander Harwin is the father to her children. So she makes a proposal to Alicent and her father that her son, Jakaris, and Alicent's daughter, Helena, are to be married. Now, this may seem like it's coming out at left field, but if you really think about it, it's Rhaenyra trying to position her children or her sons in a spot where the queen can't do anything to them. She's tied to them by family, and if she did, that'd be an act of treason against the crown. So she's trying to tie these two things together and Alicent is just seeing right through what she's trying to do. She's trying to backtrack out of this mistake that she made and that she's been making over and over again. And she's trying to think on her feet on how do I protect my children from a fate that I don't want to see. Then how do I get the queen to shut her mouth and stop coming at me about this? Well, if I marry one of my kids to one of her kids, basically that disgrace will be on her now. And they'll disgrace both names and not just mine. So she'll have to be quiet. Allison sees right through it and basically says, uh, we'll consider the offer. The series is super happy about the offer. He thinks it's amazing. She offers says she also says that when Cyrax has the next set of eggs, um, 
they'll choose one for Aemon, who does not have a dragon in the pick, and Viserys is all happy like an egg is a wonderful thing. Again, I don't know how many times we have said this now, Viserys does not want to see the truth around this and is trying to just pull the sheet over his head and hide and say, sure, let's just get married, bring this all together, and then nobody can talk bad about it anymore, and we'll just move on. And it's and it's over, and, and we won't talk about it anymore. Rhaenyra knows the queen isn't having it. The queen basically says, okay, husband, time for you to go take your nap, you old man. Uh, and the king just moves forward. So you kind of also get a feeling that the king isn't really running a lot of things anymore, that Alicent is the one calling... I would say a lot of the shots right now, maybe. I don't know. We haven't confirmed that, but that's just the feeling that I'm getting. So we move on out of the chambers as they shuffle out, and we get a scene here with Alicent and Viserys walking down the hallway uh, back to their chambers, and the first comment that Alicent makes is how sweetly the fox speaks when it's cornered by the hounds. The the king is like, she's being sincere. And the queen's like, no, she's not. She's desperate. She's desperate. Viserys, she's desperate. She knows we're on to her. She knows everybody knows. After what happened between Harwin and Cole, everybody knows now. It's out there. It's out there. They go on to talk a little bit more, and then the marriage comes up in the proposal, and Allison says to the king, you can do as you wish when she is cold and dead in her grave. So Allison is not going to let this marriage happen, and right there tells me that Allison is controlling a lot more things than she was in the past. Like this is not the same girl. This girl has come out of her shell and is now embodying almost, almost a Cersei like queenness to her where she's going to take what she wants and do what she wants. And she doesn't give a crap about anybody else. Like this is my family. I'm taking over from now on. Cause I'm, as we said in the last episode, the motherfucking queen. Okay, so as they're walking back, we're now in the king's chambers. We're in the model room, and the hand of the king comes in, and he says he must resign. Now, this has been one of the few characters in this game, in this game, it is a game, in this series that is only making really non-selfish decisions and giving the king truly unbiased opinions here. But now that he knows his son's plight, his son's misdeed with the queen, he feels he can no longer give the king unbiased judgment. He can't, he can't do it because he's going to be trying to protect his son. He's going to try to help his son. And, and that's just the nature of fathers and mothers with their children. We're going to protect them. And if he's looking to protect them, he's no better than Otto. He's no better than Otto trying to play this game and, and weave this game in and out uh, to get power and things like that. So Lord Strong, the hand of the king, is doing the honorable thing. Now, the king and queen push him to tell them why he has to be removed from here. What happened? Why do you want to not be the hand of the king anymore? You need to tell me in plain words. And they're pushing. And the queen is really trying to get him to call his son out here. Because she knows if Lord Strong is the one that tells him about Harwin, he's going to believe it. He's not going to be able to just cover his eyes and say, oh, well, you know, you're looking out for yourself. You're not looking out for anybody else because this is his trusted advisor. And he's truly been a trusted advisor. That's one thing that we do know about 
Lord Strong is that he is very selfish, selfless, selfless man, not a selfish man, and is bound by honor and his duty. Since he won't tell the king what's going on, he asks, the king turns down his his request to resign. He says, no, if you're not going to tell me why, I'm not going to accept your resignation as hand of the king, but we'll compromise and you'll be allowed to, since the, the, his son got kicked out of the the command, the city's watch, and the king was like, that's enough. That's enough punishment for him. Well, Lord Strong doesn't feel that way. He thinks more action needs to be taken. The king, again, doesn't accept that. And the compromise that they come to is to allow Lord Strong to accompany his son back to their main home because, you know, he is his heir and he should be there now that he is not part of the city watch. Allison's not happy with that. Allison wanted him to rat out his son. So she didn't. So so the king would start to believe her because, again, if his advisor tells him that this is what's really going on. He's going to believe him because he doesn't want to believe anybody else, even though he knows it's true. Okay, so we leave the king's chambers and we head over to Allison's chambers where there is a dinner table set and Lord Loris is sitting at the queen's table in her chambers eating dinner. And we met Loris. Um, he had been in and out of the episodes. We had seen him, but we, we got to really know his character a little bit in the last episode where he was talking to Alicent about her father leaving and that she needed an ally and that he could be one. And we find out that he has basically been her spy because at the table he says, normally I'm the one that has information for you, but it seems like, you know, information that I don't. My father was in the King's chambers. And that his father tried to resign. And he says, oh, well, tried to resign. He's like, yes, my husband didn't accept it. And from that point, Allison basically tells him that she misses her father, that her father would be on her side and helping her try to move the chess pieces on the board in the right direction. But now that he's not here and they got rid of him, she has nobody Nobody on the the council or in a position of power that can help her. There's no, there's nothing there that, that they can do. Then we move to Loris in a dungeon, and I think we're about to meet our first real villain of this series that we have. So he's down in in the dungeon with all of these criminals and basically says, I'm going to give you a pardon if you do something for me. And we cut to a scene where he cuts their tongues out. And when we first come into the scene, we see this bug like this scarab looking bug or bee or whatever it may be on his cane. And that's going to come back. But he basically tells these guys, I'm going to let you go, but you got to do something for me. And is that thing cutting their tongues out or is that just their punishment? Like, hey, you get this punishment and then you do deeds for me and you're good. I don't know, but it was just very Ramsey. I think it was Ramsey was the name uh, in Game of Thrones of like, okay, are we meeting our first super crazy guy torturer thing that just loves the violence? And I'm not surprised it's him because he's freaked me out from the beginning. Like. This guy is weaving his webs of power that he has from underneath. And I, I believe is, is just absolutely crazy and, and bonkers. So then we move back to Pentos and Liana is giving birth to her child. A lot of child's birth, children's birth in this episode. And it's not going well. 
the doctor has said basically he hit his his level of knowledge um and this is going back to one of the first episodes where the king was in this same kind of situation they can try to remove the infant with the blade so perform the medieval c-section and she won't live or the child dies they both die or they both die Liana says no that's not going to happen because she can hear it Damon is in this interesting situation where he's not making a decision and Liana gets up and leaves she's in the middle of childbirth and she just gets up and leaves and she walks out to her dragon um, Vagar she tells Vagar Dracaris to burn her alive to kill her because the one thing that Liana said earlier in the episode, and I think it skipped over is that she wanted to go out like a dragon rider. She wasn't going to go out, not fighting. And to me, this is her way of going out as a dragon rider and her dragon doesn't want to do it. Vagar does not want to kill her, but she's telling him to do it. And, and they just have this look like she looks into the dragon's eyes and the dragon can see that, She's suffering and he needs to put her out of her misery. Damon walks out to try and see what's going on. And as he gets there, he sees Vagar with the ball of fire, just burn Liana alive and kill her. And Damon has this look of just defeat on his face. Uh, I do believe he was in love with Liana and he was not not like he was with his other wife where he was happy and basically killed his other wife or killed her and smashed her face in. He was in love with her and now Damon has just lost really it seems like the person that was keeping him together from doing all his craziness because Damon is not really the normal Damon in this episode. He's He's very mild and and not looking to cause havoc. He's looking to just avoid it. From there, we go back to the queen's quarters and Sir Harwin is saying goodbye to his kids. The princess is um, very upset, but can't really acknowledge it with him because there are some servants that are in the room and they have this look on their face. Like she's just, Really, again, the person that's holding her together here is leaving. Kind of the same juxtaposition that I feel Damon was just in. Um, she's losing her her rock, where Lenore is not that rock. Sir Harwin has been and is the father of her children. As Harwin leaves, her son Jace, I believe, runs out into... The hallway to watch him leave and asks Rhaenyra if he's a bastard, if Sir Harwin is his father. And Rhaenyra doesn't tell him no. Her response is, all that matters is that you're a Targaryen. So she's not lying to her, she's not telling her children the truth, but Rhaenyra is leaning on the fact and preying on the fact that. Her kids are safe because they're a Targaryen and a Targaryen rules right now, even though Alison Hightower and a lot of others are coming after her. So she feels like her kids are somewhat protected, but is very uneasy. There's an unease to Rhaenyra that we we never really saw in the last episode in, or in the last couple episodes until the end where... The character, her character started to realize the mistakes, but she continued to make them, you know, and that was kind of their agreement. We move from the quarters to her quarters to the square or training area or wherever. Uh, and Lenore and his boy toy are um, sparring and she asked to have a word with him and she tells Lenore that they have to leave. We've got to go. I can't stay here anymore. And she's not wrong. I think a lot of people are after her and she needs to get her children away 
from this and before something really bad happens or they are, you know, called out. Lenore challenges her here and says, what about your standing in court? Like what, what you told me that if you leave, she as an Allison, if would pour her honey in your father's ear. So basically, you know, sing the sweet song to her father and get him to do what she wants in her stead because they are not happy with each other and still fighting. And she comes back to him and says, basically the thing that he said to her earlier, the sailors flees from the storm when it's coming, like we got to go and and, and they agree, you know, it's time to go. She agrees for him to bring his boy toy because we need all the swords we can get. He's a soldier. We need the swords and you can bring them and you'll be happy. So let's go. Let's get out of here. Let's go to Dragonstone. We need to get away from these people because they are definitely coming to me. We move from there to the Strongs, Harwin Strong and his father heading to their castle and their keep. And we see these hooded men with scarab beetle on their cloaks. Now, I have to think that's the exact same beetle or bug that was on the cane of Sir Lara. So this is his father and his brother. And we cut to them sleeping in their chambers, and there's a fire that started, and Sir Harwin cannot get out of this fire that's in his chambers. The door is locked. So we start to get this montage thing happening. So we've got a couple of these where we're cutting from scene to scene to scene. We don't like these are probably more in line time-wise than the other ones were, but we're cutting between scenes here and we do have a monologue that is happening that is from Loris is saying it. And what he is saying is, and I will read this here because it's very important. What are children? A weakness, a folly. Through them, you imagine you can cheat the darkness of its victory. You will persist forever in some form or another, as if they will keep you from the dust. But for them, you surrender what you should not. You may know what is the right thing to be done. But love stays the hand. Love is a downfall. And while this is happening, and he's he's talking through all of this, you're cutting between the king, who is upset that obviously he's found out that Rhaenyra is leaving. You cut to his home, where his father and his brother were, and they are burned, and he has killed a bunch of people here. He's had his, you know, men and assassins go kill them. You cut to cut to Damon telling his daughters that their mother is dead. And Alicent is sitting here realizing that the last conversation she had with him made him go and, and kill Sir Harwin and his father. Because he basically says, are you going to write to your father now? You told me that you missed your father. And a servant is going to do what he's asked of him. Like, you asked me to do this. You said you wanted your father back. So I went and killed my father and my brother so the queen can have her father back. And Allison is just mortified by this situation where she now realizes she's been in bed with this crazy person. And the last thing that he says to her is you will reward me when the time is right. I don't know what that time is. I don't know what is going to happen in the future, but I think we just met our big villain in this game of Thrones house of the dragon universe that we're living in. Thank you. My name is Ender. This has been Episode 6. We are getting deep into it now. Episode 6 of House of the Dragon, The Princess and the Queen. This was a really good episode. I liked it. Again, it was a it was a pilot again where we're learning, we're learning the people again. We're learning the new actresses. 
we're learning the new thought processes and feelings of the characters. They're not the same. This is like a whole new series that we're watching from here on out. Thank you again. Please go to our website, thelastchoicenetwork.com, and you can subscribe to all the past the podcasts that are on our network there. We have anime podcasts. We have podcasts about Ohio sports. If you're into that, that's the newest one that we got. We also have our gaming podcast, uh, Extraction Royale, where we'll be talking about looters, shooters, extraction games, and battle royales. Again, please visit thelastchoicenetwork.com. That's lastchoicenetwork.com. And subscribe to the podcast. Thank you and good night.